mind boggles as to where this money's coming from. Just utterly shambolic. Conor Gallagher will leave this this transfer window. Is there a better striker in the league not named Erling Haaland? Hello and welcome back to Just Another Football Podcast. We are back. The Premier League's back. First game of the season. It was a good round of games. Uh, we're going to cover uh, Newcastle and Aston Villa, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, and then some of the transfer window. But to kick it off, we'll go with uh, we'll go for Newcastle first. They are good, aren't they? I wasn't. I, I, I as Harry, you were saying just before we started recording. Why did I have them so mm. low? They are. They're terrific. What what did you make of a Harry? Yeah, they were good. I mean, I, after about fifteen minutes, I kind of was regretting my uh, preseason prediction of seventh. And and to be honest, I think I even said I've got them seventh, and I don't really know why. Um, I think there's just this general assumption that they will drop off this year, and obviously might well be the case with the Champions League and with the small squad they're working with. But. Uh, I thought they were excellent, and it was kind of just exactly what you've become accustomed to from them, which is, you know, high intensity. They pin teams back. It's they just suffocate you. And I thought Tonali just kind of looked like he'd, you know, been playing that played a hundred games in that midfield, just kind of slotted right in. Um, Isaac just, I mean, he looks excellent. I mean, is there a better striker in the league not named Erling Haaland? You know, he he has just taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. He has been superb, I think, for Newcastle and just added another dimension to their attack and caused Villa all sorts of problems. I don't think Villa helped themselves with sort of certain aspects throughout the game, um, which doesn't come as a kind of huge surprise to me. <laughs> I was a bit down on them, and I, that was one prediction I do feel like I'm sort of might have got right. So it remains to be seen. It's obviously very early in the season, but lots to be encouraged by if you're a Newcastle fan. Actually, George, what did you make of it? You, you sort of have have a soft spot for Newcastle, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and I went for a curry after after the game with Newcastle fans. They they were at the stadium, and obviously they're absolutely buzzing and insufferable throughout the the out uh, throughout the meal. So slightly less of a soft spot um, following that. But uh, no, I you know they're they're a great side to watch, and I really like Eddie Howe himself. You know, I think he's developed a lot as a manager, and I think. Um, he'll continue to do so. He seems to be like a student of the game. So um, clearly, clearly taking this team on another level. I think for for Newcastle, the key was when they were bringing off Isaac and they were bringing off um, Gordon, who looks really good, unfortunately, yeah. as I didn't back him as well. But um, they brought on Javi Barnes and, and Wilson, two really solid options. The only worry for them, I think, moving forward would be a defensive injury to, to either Shaw and, and Botman, and then they're looking and turning to Lascelles or, um, you know, moving Dan Byrne inside and then, you know, Matt Target. So, you know, that's that's a worry. Um, and then after that, in terms of the subs that happened after that, it was Jacob Murphy um, and Longstaff. You know, they're not particularly players that you feel like can get them top four. So if they can keep fit, if they, if they can keep that 11 fit, then, you know, top four is definitely on. It's just this league's so competitive. I think it's worth noting that Aston Villa were good in the first half and perhaps credit to Newcastle that they actually made them look a little bit silly in the second half. And um, Mm. 
classic tink, a tinkerman, um, as Harry always says. Um, uh, so it's his name is completely um, Emery. Uh, Emery, uh, uh, his high line for for some reason was just mm. insane. Like, and, and I don't know why he went into that game. You know, choosing that when, when seemingly last year that, that certainly wasn't um, their style of play. But yeah, really great start for Newcastle. They've got a really exciting team, and it'll be interesting to see where they finish. I still don't think it'll be top four, but um, looks like it'll be a good year. Yeah, as you said, it just depends on on injuries, and then when they do get two fixtures a week, um, it, it, with the Champions League, that's it's going to be a test for them. I was like, I was surprised that the uh, positions Tanali was taken up. But I, I wasn't expecting him to get so far forward, and he kept mm. making some brilliant runs forward. Got got himself a goal, and then nearly could should have had a second one just straight after as well. Um, as you said, Isaac and Anthony Gordon were really good. Um, Gordon Fairness looks like he's 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 living up to the price tag or starting to, uh, and um, we'll see how he goes. Um, on to on to the next game and Liverpool and Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea won the battle before the game uh, in the in the transfer market. We we will come on to that. But uh, going into the game, uh, there was a shock with the formations that were that were uh, chosen by Chelsea, um, and even Liverpool. I, I was surprised at um, who they ended up playing in in their midfield. But Chelsea, first of all, I just, I, like they've been playing four two three one all preseason, and then mm. came into the game and played. Um, uh, th- uh, sort of a three four three or a three five two, depending on on what way you were looking at it. Um, which w- which was a surprise for me. I I, I at first because I'm sort of scarred by three at the back. I'm there going, this isn't what I wanted, Potch. But but then the more I thought about it, and when I saw the Liverpool lineup, which looked, the midfield was very lightweight, and I just thought. But also very attacking. I thought, well, maybe it's not the worst thing to have another defender in there, and then we're going to end up having uh, an overload in the midfield against the very light uh, Liverpool midfield. Um, and it started off a bit shaky for Chelsea, and I thought as Conor Gallagher grew in his position in uh, on the pitch, so did Chelsea. Um, but yeah, George, what did you make of? Uh, of Chelsea's performance for first uh, first game of the season. Yeah, it, it, you know, obviously Liverpool's a tough a tough fixture. Um, I I think the the only um, downside is uh, realistically Liverpool are going to add uh, a holding midfielder and, and probably kick on from there. And, and perhaps this is the best time to play a Liverpool side that that does seem. You know, imbalanced in 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 that sense, and I, I think tinkering with the formation. I understand why he did it. You know, he wants bodies in the midfield. He also wants just that little bit of protection from from a very attacking side. Um, but I did feel like um, we could have dominated the midfield. You know, with for for the back system and 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 not left ourselves too exposed as well. Um, you know, obviously the person coming in to Sassi. Um, Scored so so maybe a bit of a masterclass, but but 
yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I thought I thought well, he was kind of at fault for the for the initial goal. Mm. Uh, yeah. he, he didn't track his runner and Diaz. Um, but um, I thought he thought he actually done better after the goal. He seemed to grow in confidence as a result of that. But in that role, I did just whenever I saw some start, I thought Chalaba would, would probably have done a better job. But it just sounds, seems like the Chelsea accountants have decided Chalaba is is not going to have a future at, at the club. Um, mm-hmm. Harry, as a non-biased perspective, what did you make of the well, semi-non-biased? What well, what did you make of it? Um, my my assessment of it yesterday was I, I thought it was an entertaining game. I thought both teams had spells in it. As you kind of said, Liverpool started the better. Chelsea grew into it and I think finished stronger and probably edged it over the 90 minutes. Uh, I mean, it was just mad in the first half. You had Liverpool go up, then score and it's disallowed. Then Chelsea equalised, then Chelsea 2-1 up and it's disallowed. And like, Bloody hell, like this, I can't really keep up with this. Um... I think both teams you saw had deficiencies, but obviously I'm not just saying this given what's obviously happened today with the two transfers, that impending transfers for Chelsea. Kaiser has been confirmed. Lavia's on his way. Yeah. I, I looked at it and I thought, I see more obvious immediate solutions for Chelsea than I do Liverpool with the midfield issues. Because um, as you say, like Gallagher got better, but he's clearly not, he's, he just doesn't play in that position, kind of deep in the midfield. Um and you're looking to add someone that will play there and someone else that will play there. So I think the only thing I'd say with Chelsea is, and it's kind of goes back to what I said last week, they, when they got into good areas attacking wise, and I thought Jackson had a good game, but it's just that last action, that last kind of bit of composure at the end, the final action just wasn't there. And it wasn't just him. There was a bit at the end with Mudrick and he tries to go around the keeper. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of, like cold bloodedness in the final third where everything's frenetic it's it's energetic it's youthful it's a young side but just kind of having the ability to kind of slow it down pick the right option is something that i think will probably come with time but was what was missing on this occasion and i think it will happen over the course of the season um but I think as it goes, it's it's an awkward first game. It always seems to end up a draw, Liverpool Chelsea at the minute. It's been about seven draws in a row. Um I don't think you can be too unhappy really given you know, Chelsea are coming from coming off the worst ever season. Um Liverpool, you know, they're they're probably not that unhappy with it either, although the performance wasn't great. I think you gotta just take the point and move on. I think their problem's gonna come from the fact they've been beat essentially for their two biggest targets in the transfer window and it kind of leaves them in this position now where everyone knows they've got money to spend but they don't exactly have an obvious immediate target they can pivot to so a draw given the fact liverpool were very close to being two nil up i suppose with the offside which was very close i think the chillwell one was a bit more obvious it was leaning offside i think the Salah one it is offside, like, but it's it's certainly not deliberate from the Chelsea back line to play him offside in that position. So I think if that goes 2-0, then you're potentially looking at a different game. But from that moment onwards, um, I think from, from equalising, Chelsea had a better shout for winning the game. I thought, I thought they looked the more threatening. And, and I thought the main threat for that was was Enzo Enzo Fernandez. I thought he was he was fantastic. And I got man of the match. Um, the... I thought, I as I said, like a lot of people in the first twenty minutes on Twitter were starting to give off about Gallagher being played so deep. He's he's not 
he's not um it didn't suit his his sort of play style but he he grew into the game and and um and then just started playing simple passes and um and and then progressing to Enzo Fernandez and then when you saw uh, Enzo further up the pitch creating chances linking up with James and and, and releasing other players you realized oh Poch has rolled the dice a bit there he's he's he said I'll, I'll take a risk with Gallagher but hopefully it, it, it pays off and mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think it did and I'm really excited to see how he grows which which sort of position he ends up sort of doing the predominantly of the time um it it does seem like especially with Casado coming in and Lavia, um, that um, he will be played in a more advanced position, um, and it's probably maybe to take up some of the burden that Nkunku would have had, um, as well perhaps. But um, Conor Gallagher was was fantastic as well, so it made a brilliant challenge against um, Mo Salah at one point as well uh, when they were um, throwing goal. Moving on to the transfers, then there's well. The main talking point, as I said, uh, Chelsea have uh, beaten Liverpool to the sign of Casado and looks like Lavia. Uh, Casado going for 115 million. Just astronomical. Chelsea breaking the transfer record again. Um, bringing their spending up to uh, $1 billion. Um, which... It's just, it is it's honestly mental and to be honest it's it's hard to um it's hard to make a case to justify it as a Chelsea fan now. Um it's like there really is nothing we can say like um Net spend, net spend. Yeah, net net <laughs> net spend is <laughs> less I would than net spend that he's still the, getting, still, getting still out in France. <laughs> No, I don't, uh, I don't know if we are, are we? I think I think we're... Well, in the last year and a bit, you must oh, be. Right, I mean, no yeah, one's been yeah. 600 million no, in a no. season, George. No, no, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, it's... I, 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 I hope... I bloody hope he's good, this Casado fella. <laughs> I, we all know he's good, but like... Is it, it's, he's going to have to do, do yeah. some amount of like work to be able to, to repay this. Um... I you probably just cannot expect them to repay it at all, um, and uh, and Lavi as well. Like it, it's unbelievable for Chelsea. I'm really surprised that the that we've managed to get Lavi as well, because I he's clearly going to be second choice, and he was second choice the whole transfer window as well, um, and so I don't know why you would choose Chelsea's as like second choice to Liverpool's first choice or Liverpool's project that bad I, I know that there's a connection between mm-hmm. uh, I think his name Shields he's now one of the sort of recruitment directors at, at Chelsea I don't know what his actual title is but he was at Man City then Southampton and then Chelsea and he, he he's he's brought uh, Lavia to each one of them um what, what what do you make of it, Harry? Are, like, are you are you part? Of, are you are you happy to hear the calls for uh, this to be looked into? Uh, uh, <laughs> Liverpool seem to be getting their case in order to go to the Premier League with. I mean, if you were a Liverpool fan or or worked at the club, I mean, you'd be absolutely livid with what's happened. Mm. I mean, what's on their part, especially with the Lavia deal, which they've 
gone in at 35 then raised that to 40 then to 45 then they've ended up bidding 60 million today anyway only for them to have faffed around with it so much that he's ended up going to chelsea anyway it's just utterly shambolic on their part um for chelsea i mean it's an interesting loophole that um sort of been thrown around on twitter today the fact they're not in the champions league the uh amortization rule then doesn't apply to them yeah. the, the whole you can't amortize it over the over five years i think or over more than five years even if you give them a nine-year deal like the caicedo one so that doesn't apply to chelsea i mean i guess like i wouldn't be altogether surprised if they've accepted at some point they're going to get a transfer ban it, it would yeah. not surprise me one bit if they felt they need to do so much business and just reboot the entire project and i mean you've signed nearly 20 players i think at some point if they go yeah you can't sign anyone i mean you probably won't need to sign anyone if you're planning on getting everything right now in an ideal world it might not work like that but i i think if you actually just take it on the uh, the player alone or the players alone in Lavia and Caicedo they're what you need and they're good players I think is sort of worth saying um, in terms of repaying 150 million pound fee it's sort of similar to what I said with Rice in the sense that if he's good and you're good then it won't really matter that much no one's going to turn around and say well actually we should have paid 75 but we paid 115 like a good player is a good player and if they make a good impact now the bar for them to make a good impact might be a bit higher because of what you've paid the kind of standard he's held to but you mentioned about enzo playing well yesterday in an advanced role and i think that's sort of what you need is someone to just do the defensive side because I, I don't think he looks as strong doing that but there's no doubt that he's good on the ball and 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 will make you tick so i think you needed you needed a midfielder definitely it, 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 gallagher did well yesterday but he's he's not a holding midfielder and there's not an obvious alternative at the minute um so it's it's just it, it it is just interesting sort of to bring it back to the, the whole if you compare the two projects between chelsea and liverpool at this point in time and i'm sure there's a financial side to it i'm sure there's a length of contract side to it when you're sort of picking between the two but maybe you look at liverpool as a team that yes they might be slightly better at this point in time like i predicted them to finish above chelsea and that's not a sure thing either but if you're projecting and you're looking at Liverpool, you've got the majority of the side in their prime, certainly sort of in the back line and goalkeeper and Mo Salah, that's over half the team. You might be looking at it from a trajectory point of view and thinking, well, actually, maybe they're not going to get much better. Um, and Chelsea could. So there's that side to it. Um, it I, I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out over the course of the season. But... Mm -hmm. It is just, I do find it interesting with with Lavia, especially as you say, like he, he probably knows he's going to Chelsea and going to be second choice, but he's yeah. gone there anyway. Yeah. One, one of the points that sort of came into my mind, like over this weekend, just thinking about all these transfers that Chelsea have done, is that this is a hedge fund, an American hedge fund that owns Chelsea. Where mm. are they seeing the profit? I know. I'm like, yeah. They're, like they're committed to spending one billion pound on uh, the stadium renovations as well, and then you know they're gonna have to put in, like on average, like Chelsea will probably put in a hundred million every season into every transfer window. 
like at, at a minimum now. That's that's like the going rate for relegation teams, and uh, near enough. Yeah. So, uh, like I for their point, that's why I'm I'm worried where this where does where where does the where's the catch and all this? Like, at what point do they want to take some money back out of it and start making some profit? Or are they going to plump up Chelsea and then hope that someone else is going to pay, you know, it's going to be like, I don't know, 10 billion, which Chelsea are going to have to be bought for at this stage to make it worth their their while. Mm. Um, That's what I worry about going forward with all this is, is... it all is everything going to come crumbling down just because they they're going to have to start making a profit? I honestly just don't see where that profit is going to come from. The only thing I can think of that would save them is if it goes to like a an over the top streaming service for for the Premier League and 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 the profits are boosted massively by that. But that that's that that that's still a bit off. I think in terms of the return of investment, it, that is the most worrying thing. Um, you know, great. It's great feeling that we've beaten Liverpool to these two signings. You know, there's a there's a there's a somewhat of a victory there. But um, in terms of return investment, in terms of football, you know, actual, you know, returns in terms of you know performances. Um, yes, Caicedo is great. You compare it. I know it's a completely different market, but you compare it to when we got Kante for thirty million. Kante in his absolute peak, you know, just winning a Premier League, goes and wins us a Premier League. You don't really see that instant return for Caicedo. Um, I think, to be honest, that this, to me, signals that Conor Gallagher will leave this this transfer window. Um, it's pretty clear that, especially if, he, you know, if we get Lavia, we get 40 million for, you know, 30, 40 million for Conor Gallagher. It's it somewhat into that well, fee. In fact, it, you know, it, it takes it, it takes. It does. It, in terms of those two transfers, the way it'd be written down is Lavia immortal um, amortization or whatever that word is over the length of his contract. <laughs> so, like, let's say it works out ten million a year, but on the books for Chelsea this this summer it will be thirty. I'll say let's be harsh and say thirty million Conor Gallagher. Yeah. You know, that's a twenty million profit on on yeah. those two transfers alone, yeah. in isolation. So it, that that's how it's going to work, and it's the same for Chalaba with the uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, and with that, you know, there's two things for the the future of Chelsea. You know, transfer ban, or we get away with it. But even even then, we shot ourselves in the foot with future future transfer spending anyway, because we are stacking it unless yeah. unless this goes on infinity. So you just you just keep doing it and you keep spreading these costs. I don't see a hedge fund doing that. Um, no. Like you said, where's the resale value on, on Caicedo? You know, maybe it's a win if if in three years we sell him on for. For sixty million or, or whatever it might be, um, uh, and therefore that those offset costs are, are, are I don't know, are different in, in in a way, but um, certainly not an economist or a, <laughs> um, financial savvy enough to, to to predict that. But it's really concerning uh, to it. me. It pushes it, the other thing. It pushes um, is, is a super league or um, something. A marriage between Saudi Arabian sort of Champions League and, and, and whatever it may inevitable. be. Um, yeah. I, I'm, but just before we do come on to uh, some of the other transfers, Saudi Arabia involved in one of them, 
Um, it's um, it. Oh, lights are going here. Someone put. I need to put fifty p in the meter here. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, if only Chelsea could spare a bit of money. Um, but yeah, it 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 is. It's just crazy, and um, yeah. We uh, it, it the other transfer that's just happened is is Kepa out out, which I I think we. Which, how has he ended up being Real Madrid's goalkeeper? That it's it's just a crazy. It, it's all it shows the lack of goalkeepers, and AC Milan done the probably the best bit of business all summer in in uh, locking down Mike uh, Magnon because he would have went, yeah. he he would have went uh, this summer to a top club otherwise, and I would have thought that what uh, Real Madrid actually probably would have. Went in for him if if he wasn't if he was an option, um. But Chelsea now have to go out and spend, whatever maybe twenty million at the cheapest on a on a goalkeeper, unless we get like someone old that uh that you know we can get them on the cheap. It's another transfer that needs to be done, and then Elise is the, the rumors aren't going away for him, so that's another thirty forty million. It is the mind boggles as to where this money's coming from, and then where the profit's going to be but we'll uh we'll uh come on now to another harry harry kane mm. he's 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 gone to uh to Bayern Munich. um i'm still surprised he's done it I, yeah I, I i i honestly think he, he, he like uh, his his brother is a terrible agent it's so such a bad. I, I honestly don't know why. I don't. I don't really get what Harry Kane is gaining from going, not just giving it one more year. I know he's at the end of his career, yeah. And you know, it's um, it you know, the times run out. You, he's not. He has has had a few injuries, so you know, you don't want to mess with that time that he that he definitely has, um, in his prime. But I just think. If he if he left it another year, he would still have all the same clubs and more clubs looking more. to buy he him. Would. He would, like he would, because if you look at it, the option would still be there. If you look it, at it this summer, mm-hmm. he he's gone to buy Munich because they were quite frankly own, the only club yeah. in for him of interest to him. Right? You look yeah. at it, Man United weren't in for him this year. Okay. Chelsea think, weren't in for him. Man City weren't in for him, reason, obviously. I think the only reason the Premier League clubs were in for him is probably because Daniel Levy just had them like totally. yeah, it's, it's either like two hundred million. It's out of his hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I sort of get why he's done it. Like in terms of he can go there for a couple of years, win a couple of trophies, get the monkey off his back, and look. I mean, we're we're going to bloody ridicule it as will probably everyone in the footballing world. It doesn't really mean anything winning a trophy at Bayern Munich, but. In his mind, he probably thinks, I can go, I can do that, and then I can come back to the Premier League, which I think he will, because I do think he wants that scoring record. I think it's just clear as day. Whether he comes back to Spurs or not, I I, I don't know, but there's always the opportunity for him not to tarnish that legacy. He's kind of like delaying the decision, I suppose. Whereas if he goes to a rival club now and... I mean, I don't, I don't know if it would totally undo his Spurs legacy, but I think that, that there would be people looking at it and thinking, well, there was an offer from Bayern Munich on the table. You didn't take that, and instead you've moved to a, yeah. you know, an English rival. I think once yeah. that offer was there, I can see why he took it, if you look at it from that perspective. 
Um, but it's just difficult to say because we just obviously don't know his kind of motivations. We don't know how yeah. actually, given all the stuff that's happened between him and Daniel Levy and and, and sort of the uh, at Spurs in the last couple of years, where they've just refused to let him go. How much he actually cares about all the stuff I've just mentioned? I think he probably does, but I think he, yeah. I think he does only because of the way he's left. You know, he's left to, like you said, outside the country, money for Tottenham. So not leaving on a free like is is a big thing for for Spurs. Um, mm. uh, and, and then you know, in terms of why I think it's a bad decision, though. Like you said, you can beat the the, the goals record um, in the Premier League. Surely you've got a suitor, like you said, we're in the Premier League that's not Chelsea or, or Arsenal, that can be forgivable, that is understandable for, for the years of service from the, from the, from the Spurs fans. Um, yeah. And now you're locked into a contract with, with Bayern Munich where, realistically, they've paid a lot of money for him. They're not going to let him go cheap if, if he does get sold. If he does run out the contract, yeah, you know, it's not too long, but it's 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 a time to wait in order to get back to the Premier League. And he's not he's not a young man. Um so that that goal, um, yes, he's fantastic, and I don't think he has to rely on pace or, or whatever it may be. But but your legs do start going, your fitness starts starts declining, you'll be in a, a league with a, a lot less of a high tempo um, playing for, for, for Bayern. So I think it's a really bad decision. Um, the, the other thing that might have swayed him is, is Man United's investment in a striker. You know, perhaps he was waiting out for, for that club. It seemed like the natural club after City yeah. went in for, for Haaland. Don't think he's going to go to Chelsea. Don't think he's going to go to Arsenal. Um, despite that that picture of him in, a, in an Arsenal shirt as a as a boy, but um, you know it, it just it just seemed like the natural fit in Man United, and they they've gone out and bought a young striker. So so perhaps that was that was the the final nail in the coffin for him. Yeah, well, like, even even if um, I think I'll, like I think if just if there was a deal there to be done with the Premier League team, I mean, and I mean like if. Uh, Levy was was interested in that. I'm I'm willing to make that happen. I th- I th- I think Manny Ida probably would have been able to come in for him, but I, and I don't think signing Hoyland would have been um too big of a deal because the you know that's a young player. He's 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 injured at the start of the season. I think there probably still would have been room in the squad for for Harry Kane to come in, and then you let Hoyland transition. But yeah, it's it's um. It's 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 crazy it's crazy that he's gone. I think. Um, but best of luck to him. He's he's already missed out on his first trophy, unfortunately for him. Um, Byron will be hoping that uh he hasn't t- taken that luck with him, and it was just a one off. Um, Danny Omo hat trick it was. Um, and then um the the last transfer to cover it, which I think it just. Another disappointing one from a, a football fan's perspective. Neymar's gone to is Al Halal mm. in Saudi Arabia. Um, it's it it honestly it, it's amazing for for a player that has won as much as done as good as he has for for him always to leave a, a disappointing feeling. And I think in the majority of of most football fans' minds, it shows you like how talented he is. For people to be, still be disappointed at, at his like sort of decisions and and mm. what he could have been, um, fantastic footballer. But for me, it's, it 
it, I always think with these sort of transfers is like with Ronaldo going there as well. It's like, can you just take the ego hit? Can you? Could you just like? There's so many clubs that that quality of player would probably fit into and they'd be glad to have him but you'd need to take a, a bit of a hit to the ego it might not be one of the very mm. top league clubs but it might be a, a, like a it'd, be, it'd still be a champions league club and could you could you take that hit to to just go somewhere and try and fit into an actual team and it seems like a, that, that the transfer to psg has sort of ruined his legacy he's part of a great front three at barcelona and he sort of he decided to step out of Messi's shadow and then ended up going into Mbappe's shadow and it's just it's just been a mess for him. Yeah. No yeah. Champions Leagues as well. It's an absolute yeah. nightmare. It was almost a given that, you know, once he moved to PSG, it was clear the reason why he wanted to win multiple Champions Leagues, you know, and he wanted to be paid a lot of money to do so. I think with these kind of players, these ego players, not ego players, obviously Neymar's a fantastic player and a great player, asset for any team. Yeah. But since Ronaldo's moved to, to United, I think teams, especially within the Premier League, are really wary of not having system players and having ego players and having stars. You know... Basically not having somebody who's not going to press. Press is such an important uh, part of the game. The, all, all 11 players have to be now part of the defence. It can't... You can't have anybody... It, it's only in international football where the you know the press and does you don't have as much time to like drill the press and and therefore the the you can you can maybe carry a Messi for example, yeah. um and obviously Messi's worth it so like yeah, yeah you, you don't see it in, in in top flight football other than international football anymore. I think there's there's an also an element of a reality check for for these players, not not Neymar, and that's perhaps why he he rejected the Saudi Arabian contract, but. These players like Ronaldo and 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 Henderson <laughs> and Neymar, if you can put Henderson in in those else, but they, they don't have suitors. And the reason they don't have suitors is one, like like we mentioned, system player. But two, um, they, they just simply demand too much money, and the clubs that they're at demand too much of a transfer value to in order to offload them. So Saudi Arabia really is the only option for them. It, it's also generational wealth. So it's that balance of do I run out my contract and you know be fairly unhappy at this 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 you know um title one inside at PSG or or do I just accumulate so much wealth that I even you know uh, begin to spend it. Yeah. Well very well put, George. And it comes now to uh, my, one of my favourite moments of the week. It's short king of the week. First one of the season. And I can tell, George, you can't wait to tell us your pick with that face. <laughs> no, there's, oh, there's not a single short player in the Premier League anymore, I swear. I can't even think of one. It's, it you is, might have got up the height that we're including. I've got to be honest with you. There's less and less players. Does Enzo count? No. He's five ten. I was just looking. This is the this is what I said at the back end of the last season when I picked James or Prowse to be one of my short kings of the year. The talent pool for short kings is is minute. I mean, I, I, maybe O'Neill for, for coming back to the Premier League has somehow I'm managed. So um, Quite good tonight as well. So he's just he's just slotted back in sort of seamlessly. Yeah. I might even have to amend my prediction of just getting relegated with at the helm there. Yeah, um, I, I, the season I, I, nominate. I um I I was big on if if 
Owen O'Neill coming in, short king, you know, he he done his job. Um, yeah, I think maybe Reese James is a shout. Um, he's five nine. Um, I think he went I off think... again. Maybe he, he didn't last the ninety minutes. He went off tired. That surely precludes I... him from being nominated. Right. Well, do you have any better ideas, Harry? <laughs> I can tell you, isn't a short king and rap single player <laughs> this weekend. Um, they've not spoiled us for choice, I have to be honest with you. Uh, we might have to leave it to the viewers. It can't be Reese James, though. I, I, no. I, I'm sure they'd want me to be pushing back on that. Even George is shaking his head. I mean, it's it's not he's not, he's not, yeah, five, he, 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 he is, he's short. I think he's about 5'7. Yeah. He's five, five, seven, five, eight. Yeah. There you go. Is he? No, I'll tell you who it is. I'll tell you who it is. Rico Henry. Rico yeah, Henry. He yeah. had Emerson on absolute ropes in that game. He's my nomination for short king of the week. Rico Henry. I'm after looking him up. He is the same height as me. I'm surprised at that, actually. Yeah. Okay. Happy days. Rico Henry. Um, <laughs> as you could tell, we were dying to give that one to you. <laughs> um, wait, congratulations on the first uh, short king of the week award this season. That wraps up this episode. Um, we'll be back next week, and uh, until then, just have a great week. Goodbye. <laughs>